Hallelujah. So, we've been looking at the topic of redemption and we've completed the topic of redemption. We've, we've done the foundational doctrines. We may go back to it sometime later. Hallelujah. But um, today I feel impressed by the Holy Spirit uh, to teach and start teaching on the Holy Spirit. So, so it's, it's been, uh, I mean, I've been teaching this in uh, uh, the Horomawa power, power, Powerhouse, but then I, I thought we'll go in a different direction here, but then today the Holy Spirit told me we should start on the Holy Spirit. Let's just look at a scripture here. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I mean, this is a very famous scripture. Most of the time you close the service by saying this. You close the service by saying this verse. But most people don't know. Their focus is on the grace of God, the love of God. But the last part, the communion of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit said, be with you all. Amen. So my question is, is this for you all? Is the communion of the Holy Spirit for all? See, it says, the, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So does it include everybody? Yes. So we need to understand, uh, or let me put it this way, to understand the communion of the Holy Spirit. The word meaning of the word communion means fellowship. Fellowship, which includes spending time, which includes rubbing on each other. See, when two people live with each other, all right, you're, when you're roommates, you rub on each other. You may not have known that person before, but when you start living together, husband and wife, after marriage, you may have dated for 10, 20, 20 years, but then when you start living together, it's a different story altogether. Now you start rubbing against each other, everything, everything. So there's a lot of difference now. So it says the communion of the Holy Spirit. So to have communion, you need to know the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. He's a part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was, he's a person. So we, we're going to spend some time to know this person more. He's the same Holy Spirit who, who was there in creation. You go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Let's, look, let's see from the beginning. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So you see, he's in the second verse of the Bible. Complete all those verses put together, but he's there in the beginning. Verse number two, you see the Holy Spirit mentioned there. You see in the beginning, God, chapter one, verse one. Then, verse 2, you see the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, you, said, you see God releasing the Word. So, you see God the Father, you see God the Holy Spirit, and you see the Word. 
and the word became flesh and became man. So all three of the Trinity are, uh, are present there during creation. Holy Spirit, He was present in creation. Go to Psalms 104 verse 30. Or, uh, yeah. Or we'll look, look from verse 24. Psalms 104 verse 24. Let me drink some water. Sorry. When your mouth goes dry, the old Malayali somewhere <laughs> hidden there might come out. <laughs> so, <coughs> let's do this. Psalms 104 verse 24. It says, O Lord, how many are your works? In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your riches. So verse 24 is talking about creation. Now read verse 30. It says, You sent forth your spirit and they are created. And you renewed the face of the earth. The glory of of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord rejoice in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. So look at verse 30. It says, He sent forth his spirit and they are created. So the same spirit that was present in the creation of the earth and everything that we see around us, we are supposed to have communion with the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit, not a different Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to study now. So go with me to John chapter 14, verse 16 onwards. John chapter 14. See, this is the last night and Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. He knew that he was leaving. All right. And these are the last moments, the last conversation that he had with his disciples before crucifixion. You read 14, 15, 16 and 17. All right. These are the last moments of Jesus. First with the disciples and then last he's praying. He's praying for the disciples. So the last discussion that he had with his disciples where he spent time and talked with them. The meeting in the upper room. Alright. We'll read from verse 16. It says, And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So who is speaking here? Jesus. Jesus. These are, these are his last words before he, he leaves his disciples. Before the crucifixion. See, obviously when he talks about his crucifixion, the disciples are sad. I mean, you can, you can imagine that. He's been with them for the last three and a half years. And he is now telling them about his crucifixion. He's telling them that he is going to leave them. So obviously, there will, the atmosphere is not that, that uh, joyful. All right? there, there's a little tension in the air. There's a little uncertainty in the air. All right? And then look at, look at verse 18. Verse 18. 
Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. All right? Don't get confused with the word comforter used in verse 16. All right? It's a different wo word altogether. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. Now, the Greek word used for this, comfortless, is orphanos, from which we get the word orphan. Some translations actually use, I will not leave you as orphans. NIV says orphan, yes. He said, I will not leave you as orphanos. So what does this mean? See, one meaning of the word orphan is not having parents. But the most commonly used uh, explanation for this word during that time is when a teacher lets go of his disciples. When a teacher is separated from his disciple. Look at that. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back to you. Why does he have to even say that? Because suddenly they felt disconnected. They felt like they are being abandoned. The person who took care of them, the person who taught them, the person who, who brought them and showed and displayed the glory of God to them, all these years, now he said, I have to go. So there is a certain tension in the air. So he said, look at that. The, me the meaning actually says, you are being, uh, how to put this? where a person feels deserted or left by someone whom they trusted. You know, that's where, that's the meaning of this. That's why they use this word to describe orphans. Children whose parents abandoned them. Alright. A child is supposed to have ultimate trust on whom? The parents. The, the parents are supposed to take care of that child. But if that child is abandoned, then what happens? It's called an orphan. But that is not where the meaning came from, the word came from. It came from this word where a, a disciples feel left, deserted, abandoned by, by their teacher whom they trusted everything with. That's the meaning of this word. Uh, Comfortless, orphanos. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you like that. I will come to you. Why? Why could he say this word boldly? That is because of verse 16. Where he said, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter. Another comforter. Jesus knew the disciples needed him there. Let me repeat that. See, they were with Jesus. Just imagine this scenario. Three and a half years, you are with a person. Day and night, traveling with him, seeing miracles. I mean, he is constantly teaching. Jesus is constantly doing three things. Teaching, preaching, healing. Teaching, preaching, healing. So they've been with him the whole time. They've been seeing these things. So now what happened? Now, apart from that, he's also been financially helping them. You see that. When Peter wanted to pay the tax, what did Jesus say? 
he said go throw the throw throw the line and the first fish that comes out you take the the coin that comes from it and pay my tax and your tax so obviously jesus was there helping them financially spiritually mentally in every in every realm definitely physically peter's mother-in-law was sick and he healed her right so they needed him they needed this man called jesus now jesus is leaving them he's talking to them about him leaving but jesus was a man he came to earth as a man we studied in the topic of redemption about the humanity of jesus he was 100% man and 100% god being 100% man he could be in only one place at a time one place at a time what was the commandment he gave to the disciples go into the ends of the world and preach the gospel so each one of them is going different places at least two by two if they go still still they're going they're not with jesus anymore so he said i'm going to send somebody for you who's going to be like me who's going to be like me so what did he do the first thing so that's why he said john 16 go to john 16 verse 7 John 16 verse 7 said nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you but if I depart I will send him to you He said it is for your advantage it is for your advantage it is advantageous I mean I've heard many people many believers say I wish I was born when Jesus was there I was there to see all the miracles But Jesus himself is saying it is for your advantage that I'm going away. Why? So when he goes, he could send them a personal replacement with each one. Remember that, a personal replacement for Jesus with each one of those disciples. Personal replacement. One that will be with them forever. Forever. Look at go back to John 14 verse 16. He said, "I will pray the Father; He will give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you for ever. He will abide with you forever. That means wherever you go, He's there. Look at the next verse. He said, 'Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees Him not, neither knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and shall be in you.'" Say this with me. With me, in me. With me, in me. Forever. Now, now think about that. Now think about that. What does he do? Where is he now? With you, in you, forever. He represents Jesus. Let's read verse verse eighteen. says i will not leave you as orphans i will come back to you that whole verse 18 look at that that whole verse 18 is because of verse 16 and 17 verse 16 and 17 see when you when you feel abandoned when somebody else is there 
When somebody else comes and takes a place, now are you ab abandoned? I'm <coughs> sorry. Are you abandoned? No. Somebody is there to take care of you. He's with you, in you, forever. With you, in you, forever. See, each one of us, we have a specific time to be on this earth. Each one of us. Jesus came as a man. So when his time came to pay the price and to finish the task that he came for, he has to do it and return. He said, I came from the Father and I will go back to the Father. Right? He will go back to the Father. He has to finish his task. But who is going to be left behind after him? His disciples. And 1 John 4.17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. So if we are to be like Jesus, we need somebody who, is ex who represents Jesus, who is a personal replacement for Jesus with us, who is constantly there doing what Jesus did to his disciples. What was Jesus to, the, to his disciples? He was leading them. He was guiding them. He was teaching them. He was comforting them. Yes or no? You look through the Gospels, you will see Jesus comforting them many times. You will see Jesus teaching them. You will see Jesus leading them. He said, come, let's go to the other side. He's leading them. He's telling them where to go, where not to go, what to do, what not to do. So today, who is taking that place? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us today. So the first thing that Jesus did when he, he, he ascended was he sat down on the right hand side of God the Father. And the next thing he did was send the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that. Go to Acts. Sorry. Sorry. Not Hebrews 7.25. Hebrews 7.25, it says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So what is Jesus doing now? He is living to intercede for all of us. He says, to save us to the uttermost. But where is he now? Seated on the right hand side of God the Father, Ephesians 1.19 onwards. You will see he's seated there. Now read Acts 2, 33. Acts 2, 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So now what happened? Where is he now? He is on the right hand side of God the Father. And what did he do? The first thing he did was send the Holy Spirit. Pour out the Holy Spirit upon all believers. Today, today the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is on the earth. He is on the earth. He is not in heaven. He is in the earth. He is on the earth. He is with every single believer and in every single believer so we're going to look at all the different works of the holy spirit in detail we're going to take a few weeks we're going to we're going to look at the different works and different names of the holy spirit the ministry of the holy spirit we will be looking at the baptism of the holy spirit 
Alright. So now I want you to look at that word in John chapter 14 verse 16. It says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. He said, another comforter. Underline that word, another. See, another means one who replaces something else. Yes or no? So the Greek word used is alos, which means another of the very same kind. Another of the very same kind. You will see this, this word used in John 14, 15 and 16. Many times. The same word. Allos. Another. Means he is completely replacing Jesus on the earth right now. Jesus had a specific time to be on the earth. Three and a half years. And when that three and a half years was fulfilled, he returned back to the Father. But today somebody is here on the earth forever. As long as you are here, humanity is here, there is somebody here on the earth forever. That is the Holy Spirit. Spirit is also called the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of the Living God. So today... Whatever you, whatever people say, there are many wrong doctrines out there. People, many people believe that the Holy Spirit is no more there. Many people believe that the Holy Spirit is gone. Many people believe that after the time of the apostles, there is no more ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's, we are just abandoned. No, that's not true. Today, if Jesus said He's going to be with you forever, He's going to be with us forever. Today, we are not orphans. We are not left alone. He is with us forever. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting when you look at the next word. After another, it says comforter. Comforter. The Greek word used is parakletos. Parakletos. It's a combination of two words, para and kolios. Para and kolios. Look at that. Let's read that. The word para means alongside. Somebody who is together with you, alongside. There, have been, there are a couple of scriptures where this, this particular word is used. Para. Let's look at that. You'll understand the meaning better when you see that word. Go to Luke chapter 5 verse 1. Luke 5 verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. The word by, by is the same word, para, means alongside. So you see, the people are pressing Jesus so much. Look at that. It said, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by or he stood alongside or very in very close proximity to the lake of Gennesaret. Are you understanding this? It's the same word used, para. Look at the next, next verse. 
uh, Mark chapter 5 verse 21. Mark chapter 5 verse 21. It says, And Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side. Much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. The same word used therefore nigh unto or near to, alongside. That means very close, near. It's the same word para. Let's see one more scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2 It says, And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Alright? You see the word of, heard of me. It says, The things that you have heard of me. It's the same word para. Which means, by close fellowship, by living close. See, Paul and Timothy traveled together. Paul and Timothy traveled together. They were close with each other, traveling together, constantly with each other. And because of the close fellowship, something rubbed against. What was on Paul rubbed on, on Timothy. Came on Timothy. So, Timothy started to act and behave more like Paul. You seeing this? So because Timothy was with Paul the whole time, see it says, the things that you have heard by being along me, alongside with me, constantly, among many witnesses, the same thing you commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That means Timothy received something by constantly being with Paul the whole time. He received something. If you look at today's scenario, that can be best uh, explained by a husband and wife. See, my wife is para me. That means she's alongside me. We live together, we travel together, we minister together, we, we do things together. So that is the same word, alongside. Partners. Partners. That means one is incomplete without the other. Are you understanding? That's the same word used there in parakletos for Holy Spirit. That means the first meaning of the first word para means close, alongside, constantly. That means he's there to rub on you, always. I mean, somebody. If, imagine if you if you have to walk in a narrow space. I mean, I'm I'm trying to explain this so you'll understand it. And two people. I mean, it's barely enough place for a person and a half to go through. But now two people are required to go through. So now what happened? Imagine that. You're both rubbing against each other so closely. Alright. So the, the sweat of one person is rubbing on the other. The other person's sweat is rubbing on you. When you come out like, am I smelling like you or are you smelling like me? <laughs> are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? See, that's what it means. What is there on one person, because you're so close to each other, is coming upon you. 
or you're being thoroughly influenced by one person. If one person's sweat is very strong, then the other person will start smelling like that. I mean, you, you, I mean I've had that experience. I mean, I've traveled in buses, you know, where people hold hands and sit together, especially in Kerala, where the climate is always hot and sweaty. Oh my goodness, you come out of the bus smelling like somebody else. Are you getting the picture? Or if, uh, I mean, some ladies use very heavy, they walk by, you're like, wow. You're getting the picture. So that's what it means. That's what it means. So what is on one person is rubbing on the other. That means you are being influenced to a certain level that you, your actions are determined by the other person. That's what Parakletos means. That means the Holy Spirit is supposed to be in such close fellowship with you, so close to you, that means He is the one guiding you, comforting you, giving you words of wisdom, I mean, telling you what to do, what not to do. Are you getting the picture? That's what Jesus was saying, another parakletos. Look at that word kletos, but before that I, I want you to understand this. How close are you with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 1 verse 13. How close can you be? What does that closeness mean? Ephesians 1 13 says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. You is talking about who? Your spirit. So your spirit is now sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's how close you are now. Permanently sealed. Together. That's a seal from God. You can't unseal it so easily. Your spirit, the moment you got born again, the moment you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is now sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means the two are inseparable now. The two are inseparable. The Holy Spirit is in you. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Look at that. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. That is talking about Jesus' second coming. Where now your bodies will be, re will be renewed. Your spirit is already redeemed. Alright. You are redeemed from the curse of disobedience, what, whatever Adam did. But your body will be changed when Jesus comes. We studied that in resurrection from the dead. Alright, we'll go through that again after maybe sometime very soon. But you need to understand this. You are permanently sealed. Your spirit is permanently sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are not away from Him. That's why Romans 8 verse 11 says, The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. It's the same spirit. 
not a different spirit. The very same spirit that was involved in creation that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. You are his home. That means your spirit and the Holy Spirit are permanent residents together. Inseparable. Permanent residents together. You can't divorce him so easily. You cannot. You're permanently sealed with the Holy Spirit. So today, that's what I just wanted to give an introduction to this topic. About the Holy Spirit. Where He is, who He is. He's very close to you. Very, very close to you. You can't separate Him from you. The day you called upon Jesus, He came into your hearts. See, read Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son, where? Into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. See, many evangelists say, now receive Jesus into your heart. They announce, actually, the Holy Spirit is coming in. You receive what Jesus did. Then the Holy Spirit comes in you. Your spirit is born again. And immediately the Holy Spirit comes, you're sealed with that Spirit. You have a brand new Spirit, born again Spirit, sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is the new you. Need to understand that. The new you is not you alone. The born again you is not you alone. It is you and the Holy Spirit. Are you getting it? It is never you alone. In God's eyes, He doesn't see you separate from the Holy Spirit. But our ignorance can limit us from hearing Him, from recognizing Him, recognizing your permanent roommate. Imagine living in a house with somebody and you don't even know that they're, they're there living with you. Oh, crazy. You're living in a house and somebody else is there. Yet you don't even know who He is. You don't even know such a person is there. That's the state of many born-again Christians. It's a sad situation, but unfortunately that's the case. One thing we need to understand. If you're born again, your spirit is permanently sealed with the Holy Spirit. It is no more you alone, it's you and the Holy Spirit. It is no more you alone. When God looks at you, He looks, He sees you with the Holy Spirit. He sees you sealed with the Holy Spirit. Not separate. Yes, when you gather to worship, you welcome the Holy Spirit, the presence. But that is the Holy Spirit coming upon a congregation in a different way. Don't confuse that. As a born-again child of God, we have the Holy Spirit permanently in us and with us. You're not separate. You're, you cannot be separate. And God Himself does not see you separate. That's how close you are. That's how close you are. It's you and the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a fellowship and walk so close together to fulfill the plans and purposes of God. You have somebody so close to you who is, whose other name is Comforter. You have somebody so close to you whose other name is the Spirit of Truth. 
You have somebody so close to you whose other name is spirit of wisdom and understanding. You have somebody so close to you whose other name is spirit of counsel and might. And you have somebody close to you whose other name is the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That is from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. It says, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord who is making him of quick understanding. These are the titles of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament when you come, in 2 Timothy you will see, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love and a sound mind. So now, you have somebody so close to you, you're sealed with, who is also called the spirit of power, love and a sound mind. You cannot be separated from that person. You cannot be separated from that person. So whatever you need comes in attachment with this person. You need wisdom, you're already attached to the author of it. You need understanding, you're already attached to that person. You need counsel, the counselor is attached to you. You're sealed with him. Are you seeing this? Uh, I want you to read that same uh, John chapter 14 verse 16 from the Amplified. I want to read it from the Amplified. The Amplified describes the Holy Spirit with, with six other extra names. It says, I will ask the Father, He will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, stand by. Stand by. We're going to look, next week what we're going to look is, we're going to look at the, the other part of the word comforter. You will understand these rest, the rest of these, uh, these words, the meaning of the rest of these words. So today I want you to understand, you are not alone. Many of us, we, didn't know, we did not know we had the Holy Spirit, first of all. You thought, you, I mean, you, you knew you were born again. Somebody asked you, are you born again? Yes, I'm born again. How did you become born again? I said the sinner's prayer. I received Jesus. I received Christ into my heart. Yes, it was a very emotional experience. You, you, you might have cried. You might have rolled on the floor. You might have... I mean, it's different. But, but, one thing you need to know is, at that same moment, the Spirit of God came inside your heart. He now made you so close to God. That's why suddenly you felt a closeness to God. Why? Suddenly you're like, God is there. You had a realization, I'm close to God. God is with me. Why? It's the Spirit of God. The same Spirit who was there in creation. Suddenly you just felt something. You couldn't describe it. You just knew, I'm different. You just knew there's somebody always with me. But after some time, you, because of being in the same place, mixing with all the unbeliever friends and things like that, you, you might have um, forgotten that experience, but he's still there. You may not feel him like that, but he's still there. To feel him, you need to first acknowledge him. To be led by him, you need to know that he is there. 
without knowing that there is somebody guiding you, you cannot be guided. Without knowing that somebody is leading you, you cannot be led. Without knowing that there is somebody comforting you, you cannot be comforted. Without knowing that you have a counselor, you cannot receive good counsel. So the first thing today, what I want you to recognize is, acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Know that you are sealed with Him. He is with you permanently. He is with you permanently. And I can assure you, I mean, the last couple of weeks, I've been having an experience with the Holy Spirit. I've been praying in tongues more. I've been sensing Him. I mean, I've suddenly woken up in the middle of the night, I found myself praying in tongues. I'm like, okay, alright. It's happened. It's been happening recently. I'm just praying in tongues, constantly driving, doing things, I'm praying in tongues. I'm recognizing the ministry of the Holy Spirit more. So I, I, I'm sure that in the coming couple of weeks, as we study this topic about the Holy Spirit, you're going you're gonna to understand more about this person who is with you. You're going to understand more about this person who is permanently sealed to you. You're going to understand this person who is yearning to speak to you. All right. That, that verse, I mean, I, it, I just, uh, if, I think Galatians 4, let's just read that. Sorry, Ephesians 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. The first part of that verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed. He said, grieve not. Grieve not. I mean, I've been married to my wife for, this is the 13th year now. But sometimes I've heard her complain. You behave like I'm not here in this house. And she feels it. She feels it. I'm like, oops, I missed it. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I mean, I understood that, what she felt when, I, when, I, when God gave me a revelation of this. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. That means you, are, you have somebody with you permanently, but you don't recognize it. Permanently somebody is seeking your attention to tell you what to do, what not to do. To make you make the right choices. To make you do the right thing. There's somebody permanently there, but you don't acknowledge. It's very sad. You, you end up grieving the Holy Spirit. That roommate is grieved. Just like my wife was grieved. I didn't understand, like, I'm here. She's there. What is wrong? But then I understood. Some of the actions I do, I may not discuss with her. I may not counsel with her. See, guys, we are used to being independent. We just do stuff. But now, you're married to someone. They are there with you. Every action you do affects them. So now, when you don't fellowship with them, they get grieved. So the Holy Spirit is your roommate. You can't get away from Him. That's why the psalmist said, Where can I go from your spirit? If I go to the depths of the oceans, you are there. If I go to the heavens, you are there. That means you can't be separate from Him. He's with you. So you need to first of all acknowledge Him. So today I want, you, I want to encourage you to start acknowledging Him. One of the ways you acknowledge Him is by praying in tongues. 
When you pray in tongues, you're letting him have control. It's like the husband letting the wife make the decisions. Okay, she likes it, let's do it. Are you getting the picture? I'm sure husbands understood that. Right, Rakshit? Right, bro? <laughs> Alright, she wants it, let's do. <laughs> at least I will have peace at home. There is comfort that tonight I'll sleep peacefully. <laughs> yes or no? Yeah. Acknowledge your roommate. We are all guilty of it. We are all guilty of missing this. I, so I encourage you to start praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, you're actually acknowledging, acknowledging the Holy Spirit and letting Him have control. Let give, let, he is giving you the word to speak. I mean, we'll discuss about this more. But that's one of the ways you acknowledge the Holy Spirit. I believe most of us here are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So from today, let's just take a decision. We'll acknowledge Him more. Many times we just, when you're praying in tongues, you just go, you just look around, you just walk around. But you are not acknowledging Him. He is the one who is giving you the words. He is the one who is making you speak the wisdom of God. So we need to acknowledge Him. Alright, let's just pray. Father, we praise You, we worship You. We thank You for this day. Thank You for the Word. Thank You that from this moment, we declare that we are going to acknowledge our roommate. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of truth, Spirit of counsel and might, Spirit of knowledge and of the, and of the fear of the Lord. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge you. You are our comforter. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to be separated. We are sorry for the times where we grieved you, Holy Ghost. Today, we make a decision to walk in communion with you even more. From today, we are going to acknowledge you. We go, help us. You're our helper. You're helping us. And we ask you to help us to acknowledge you more. Help us to know you more. Help us to walk in closer fellowship with you. We need it. Jesus said we needed it, so we need it. We need it. Today, from our understanding, we acknowledge it. We thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.